Well, this past week has been eventful. There's things that, that happen. There's things that we know that are going to happen, like an anniversary, a uh, 20-year anniversary of 9-11. And we also have got things that happen that are new. And one of those things came up this past week, and that was about the uh, Texas uh, passing the law, the heartbeat bill in, in Texas, so that if a heartbeat is picked up and a, a woman who is seeking an abortion, they cannot have the abortion because of the heartbeat. Now, in my opinion, that law is very lacking, but it's good. It's, a, it's lacking in that you've got to hear a heartbeat. That's the part that's the problem. But at least it's a move in the right direction. And because that is in the news, we have that to think about this week. So you talk about trying to put something together for today. Very difficult. So I'm going to try to touch on three different things today. I'm going to try to, to fulfill my promise and give you the end of last week's sermon, and I'm going to uh, talk about some things and show some things that I think will be uh, very helpful, and then I'm going to touch on 9-11, and then I'm going to touch on the other issue to finish it up. Uh, I thought my notes were in the notebook that I carry now, but I realized that a whole lot of the verses that I need to end today's sermon they weren't in there. They, that was from 2020. So my notebook, and I looked over, and this, this is almost a miracle. I look over and I see a whole bunch of notebooks stacked up in the floor. Because when Michelle and I and our family were quarantined for a week, two weeks, however long it was, Michelle, even though she was sick, you couldn't really tell. Because she was busy, busy, busy cleaning up, making food. She, just, she was just doing stuff. And she cleaned out a whole bunch of stuff. And I looked over, and I, the, it was a stack of notebooks. They irritate her big time. They irritate her. I love my old notebooks. And I look over, and I walk over, and the very first one I pick out of the pile had all the notes that I needed. It had everything in it. What? I told you it's a good thing to clean up. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got those, which is the most important part of what I wanted to do at the end of the, of the sermon today. So this is going to be a little different. Today's going to be a little different, so you've got to pay attention. And um, a lot of information. I know I'm not going to get to everything, but we're going to try. <clears throat> but I want to read to you... Out of the Gospels, this is Matthew. So if you would like, you can turn to Matthew chapter 3. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Esaias, saying, 
The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. So that's what he ate. Now, this is a this is a this is John the Baptist. He is a preacher of the word, and he doesn't dress very well for a preacher. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when, the, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat, or suitable for repentance. He's calling out, this is John the Baptist, calling out the religious leaders of their day. And he wasn't nice about it. He's dressed up kind of rough. He's eating locusts and wild honey. And he is calling out the religious leaders and calling them a generation of vipers. And he's challenging them to actually be what they're supposed to be. And you'd better change your ways. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, chopped down and cast into the fire. 11. Here's the two main verses. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with Fire. And what that means is he's going to baptize you either with the Holy Ghost or he's going to baptize you with fire, one or the other. The next verse clarifies it. Whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. You see it? In those days, they would go out and they would harvest the wheat. They would bring the wheat in to the threshing floor. They would beat it, shake it, rip it. Just just really be rough with it. Because they're trying to get the wheat which is a very small portion of every stalk, most of it was, was waste. It was, it was going to be burned up. Only a portion of it, a remnant, a small amount of the actual plant was going to be good for anything. 
That was the wheat that was gathered. They take the, the fork, and they take the fork, and they start tossing, tossing all of that that they had beaten up in the air. And the threshing floor was usually up on a hill where the wind would be blowing. And they would toss it, and the heavy parts, the shaft would fall back down. I mean, the wheat, the heavy part, the wheat would fall back down. And the shaft, which, is, which was, you know, the dried up parts of the plant would float in the breeze over to the side and it would separate. All the wheat that was there was put into the garner. It was saved. It was going to be life-giving food for the people who harvested it, right? And all, all the shaft, which was a lot of it, they would gather all that up, they would set it on fire, and then the winnowing fan, give it some oxygen, let it burn good. Jesus, so you see him? Jesus has separated the wheat from the shaft. He has put the wheat, I pray that your wheat, into a safe place. But if your shaft, then you will be baptized in the fire and it's unquenchable. The religious leaders of the day were being warned by John the Baptist, I think you're the shaft. You're the, you're the leftovers. You're what's going to be burned up unless you repent and turn to that person who I'm not worthy to even bear his shoes or to, or to loosen his shoelaces. I mean, he, he is trying to get them to see Jesus. I hope you see Jesus. Well, that's our gospel reading for today. I hope that cheers you up. (laughs) I hope that that will touch your hearts. And I hope that you will be bold. We're in a time right now where we need to be bold. And we got too many people who are not bold. They're not standing up for what's right. They're not calling out who needs to be called out. And uh, I'm just glad when it happens from time to time... And I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud that we have people amongst us that will stand up. Jennifer stood up recently. She stood up. You know, it's real easy to be intimidated by the majority or what you think might be the majority because they're just the loudest. The ones that are making all the racket and just to be silenced because you don't want to be the only one. You know, people are terrified of being left out. You take a big group of people, especially kids, and all these kids are wanting to do something that's wrong, and the one person who wants to do right can be left out and ridiculed and picked on, and people fear that so bad that they would drop, they would just let their personal conviction just be hidden, just to not be left out, and they follow along. They just follow along. We need people who will stand up, no matter how alone you might be. I mean, even Elijah, he ran away from Jezebel, a woman. She's a pretty mean woman. I might have been scared of her too. 
I wasn't there. Who am I to judge Elijah? But he ran off and he whined and he was scared. And he's, God, I'm the only one left. And God said, no, you're not. There's others. Get back to doing what I called you to do. He's like, okay. <coughs> All right. I got some good stuff here. I want you to remember last week. I want you to remember the three that bear witness. I want you to remember we talked about the Trinity. When a creator creates, think about all the things he created, all the stuff in the world, the universe, that cannot have a relationship with him. And at the very end of the... The days, the six days, on the sixth day, at the end of the sixth day, the very last thing that God does is he forms Adam out of the dust of the earth. You know, if you break down the human body, all the, the minerals, nutrients that are in the body matches dirt. But what was so different about this creature that was formed out of pre-existing material? The Bible says that Adam was made and created. Most of what, if you, you, people say it's the six days or seven days of creation, very little creating was done in those six days. Most of it was just putting things back in the right order. Very little actual creation. <clears throat> I think the sun was already there, it was just couldn't be seen. And God had to put it back in its right place. I think there was planets. If you look at our solar system, there are planets that are tilted. There are planets that they say are upside down. Some catastrophic event happened in our solar system sometime in the past that caused major catastrophe on this earth. And when we opened up our Bibles, we see that the Spirit of God was hovering over a totally flooded earth. The first verse talks about sometime in the distance, sometime way, way back, where God created the heaven and the earth. It was just a statement that sometime in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But we know that there's heavens. Now, every, just about every single version of the Bible changes the first verse to God created the heavens and the earth. The, the, the Bible that I keep talking about, the King James Version, the authorized version, it says the heaven and the earth because it's just a statement. Of course he made the heavens, but it's just making a statement that in the beginning God created this solar system that we, this earth is a part of. It's that simple. And sometime after that, a very catastrophic event happened to cause the earth to be without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth. Something terrible happened. And God shows up and he starts to put everything back in order. Each and every one of us were made. We, God knew us before we were in our mother's womb. 
And God creates perfectness. Adam was made perfect. And then Adam was given a free will. Eve was given a free will. And they were tested. And they failed. And they were separated. And just like the picture of the earth being without form, void, darkness, they were in darkness. And God had to do something. And that's the mystery of the gospel. We are all born in sin because of that fall. We are like the earth needing to be put back in order. And the Spirit of God is hovering over. And Jesus is the answer. Jesus makes us perfect again in the eyes of God. Now, we're not perfect people, but we can be perfect in the sight of God if we're covered in the blood of Jesus. God creates things to... We... How we're made. If you look at how you're made and break down everything about you, even just your body or your metaphysical, your spirit and your soul, if you break those things down, you can see the triune God in yourself. You're just a little miniature replica of God and the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You each are little tiny replicas of that. Threes. Triune God, three. He's omnificent or omniscience, if you break the word down. It's omniscience. So he's all-knowing. Omnipresent. He's everywhere. Omnipotence, he's all-powerful. Right? Those are the three attributes of God. It's three. We, <coughs> we have the ability to know and to increase in knowledge. So we are, I mean, ever so tiny, but we are a little bit like the all-knowing God in that we can know things and we can increase in knowledge. Now, again, it's pitiful compared to what God knows. But there's just, it's just you're a little replica of God, right? You're made in the likeness and image of God. Don't forget that. Uh, he's, he can be everywhere at one time, but in a, we have the ability to move in space. We, ha- we can walk east, west, we can get in an airplane, we can go up high, we can get in a spaceship and go out into outer space. We try so hard to be everywhere, you know, to be like God and, and go everywhere. But we're so pitiful in our efforts, but at least we can do those things. No other creature can do those things. They can't make a spaceship. We're, humans are the only ones that can do that. Because we, humans, Adam, who was, he was formed out of the dust of the earth, and God breathed into him, and he became a living soul. 
He had a spirit. It was very risky of God to do that. God had control of everything. The way the earth moves and spins, everything is exact. Everything has got to follow a law. We call them the laws of nature. Really, it's just what God has set forth and nature's obeying it. God put all those things in motion and we can, it's going to be exactly, we know, we just know. But people, you can't predict them. People, God has willingly let you go and has given you a free will. And because of all-powerful, God being all-powerful, we've got that inside of us. Think about the people in the world who want to be all-powerful and how dangerous they become. Each and every one of us want to have power. We want to rule and reign. Our government in the United States was set up not to be a democracy. People will say that America is a democracy. We vote on everything. We're a republic. Like I said earlier today, if you go through the Bible, the majority... I challenge you, find somewhere where the majority was right and show it to me. If you have a whole bunch of, if you have three or four wolves and a sheep, one sheep, and they all vote on what's for dinner, the sheep's out back. Just because you have a, a, a majority doesn't mean you're right. We are, to, to be wise, we, we, we have counsel. We have we put people around us and we make decisions. We don't want to be one person making all the decisions and we put people around us to counsel us and we ask questions and we challenge each other. But there are many times when George, George Washington was told by his counsels, don't attack, don't try to, to go into that battle. And he thought it all over. He took all the counsel from all of his men. He went to God in prayer. And he decided, I'm going to fight in the Battle of Trenton. I'm going to do it anyway. And had great victory in that. He made a decision based on prayer to God. And he did something. And if he failed, it was all on him. Every bit of it was on him. But he was wise enough to take counsel. There's probably plenty of times where he took the counsel. But there's sometimes you have to do what you know is right regardless of what everybody else says. Because everybody else could be wrong. Again, Noah continued to build the boat. Everybody else told him he was crazy. Everybody else told him he was wrong. He got zero converts. The Bible says he was a preacher. And no one came to church. No one. Him and his three sons, his wife and their three wives, are the only ones that got on that boat. The majority was very, very wrong. And they all died because of it. We must be very careful. We need to be a people who look at what God says and follow the Holy Spirit and not go along with what everybody else says. 
and I can talk about a whole lot of stuff right now where the majority of the people have, have just gone along. I can tell you stories of how the, how the whole pandemic was handled in different countries. We can get into that, which would irritate some of you so bad. But the countries, just do your own research. And there's too many people who do not do their own research. They just believe whatever news organization they listen to. There's so many people who do that. They just watch a certain news station and everything that's said, they just believe it. There's other views. And you need to broaden what you study and what you listen to. Because there are people out there that don't care about you and all they want is power over you. Wake up. Wake up. There are countries in our world who are realizing they messed up bad. And they're letting letting people know, but you're not going to hear about it in most most cases. You're not going to hear about it. You've got to look for it. Okay, all right, now, not the man Adam, but an atom, A-T-O-M, which was thought to be the smallest thing to, to try to find an atom. Turns out there's three things in an atom. Proton, neutron, electron. Three to make it. If you take one of those things away, it's no longer an atom. Get it? Make sense? By the way, Jesus, he is prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king, three. Think about time. Past, present, and future. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Did you say that? (laughs) We were just talking about that verse over the weekend. Cool. There's the three kingdoms uh, as far as animal kingdom, vegetable kingdom, and mineral kingdom that make up the kingdoms. Think about the sun, that big old ball of flame up in the sky. It sends out alpha rays, beta rays, and gamma rays. Three different kinds of rays that it sends out. Three. Think about all the colors that we have here on earth. Look, I mean, all kinds of colors, they all originate from three colors, right? Blue, yellow, and red. All colors origin, come, come from those three colors. Just like our Creator, we were made in His likeness and image, and we also are a triune being. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Right? Each one of us. Last week we talked about how the soul would match up with the Father, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and the body, Jesus Christ. Think about that. You you can't see God because He's Spirit, right? You can't see Him. But He showed up in a body, and we, I mean, if we would have been here, I'm I'm jealous. All the disciples that hung out with him for so long, they saw God 
walking around in a body of flesh. We, body, soul, and spirit, okay, of the body. The body is made up of flesh, bone, and blood. The flesh, you, you can get, don't, don't do this, uh, cut you, pinch you, burn you. Uh, don't burn yourself too bad because you got first degree burns, second degree burns, and third degree burns because there's three layers of skin. Right? Pretty interesting, huh? What about your, the blood? The solids in blood are platelets, red cells, and white cells. There's three. How about your soul? You can break it down into mind, will, and emotions. Your emotions. You can love, hate, or be indifferent. Human capability is thought, word, and deed. You know, if you, your soul could not exist if you didn't have the mind. Or if you had the mind and the will is gone, it wouldn't exist, or the emotions. You've got to have all three to have a soul. And we are human beings created after God, created after the image of God, the likeness of God. And we can think something up, You don't see a deer thinking of a new way to do things. They just do what a deer does. They just don't have the ability to think up a new way. Humans think of things. I mean, the guy who thought, I need to put together a motor that I can put in on this frame and put some wheels on it and we're going to push a pedal and we're going to go across the country. The guy who thought of that blows my mind. But he not only thought it up, but he put it in word. He drew it all out and made a plan to... And the most important part is he carried it through indeed. You know, think about all the times you have a good thought. You might get to the planning stage But the deed never gets done. But we're capable of doing those things because of the way we were created. Last week we talked about dimensions making an object. You've got your your depth, your width, and your length. Every object has to have those things. They're all separate from each other, but they're interdependent on each other because if you take one away it disappears completely, right? If, if you can truly take depth all the way down to zero, you didn't do anything to length, you didn't do anything to width, but they disappeared. All because you took away depth. Three. got to have the three. And I, I use that illustration over and over and over again because there are people who have a problem with the Trinity and they will fight you on the Trinity and they will try to get Jesus out of the Trinity. And they will work on it and work on it and diminish Jesus and keep diminishing. And if they ever get you to think that Jesus really wasn't deity, then you've lost God completely. Because if you're able to get Jesus out, there's no Father, there's no Holy Spirit. Because they all have to be together to be our our God. One of the most important things that you've got to believe to be a Christian.
All right. I think that's all I have on that for now. So, following things through indeed. Um, you know, the breath of life that God breathed into us, very important to understand that. And it wasn't the Holy Spirit that we got. It was our very own spirit. <clears throat> and that's, to think that we have free will, it's scary. Because so many people have chosen wrong. And it's got to break God's heart that we have chosen to deny him and to go, to go another way. All right, uh, let's talk about uh, 9-11. <clears throat> 9-11. Extremist Muslims. You know, there's all kinds of different people in the world that have different religions. And we, as a country, we're very accepting of the people. Islam is wrong. It is totally wrong. Islam. There are some really good people in Islam. There are. There's some really good people. In fact, the ones that I would call good Muslims get killed by the extreme Muslims. It would be like a, a, a Christian that was very dedicated and they were just so unhappy with other people that weren't as dedicated to them to the Word of God, and they decide that they're just worthless and we just kill them. That's what Islam does when you get to the extreme Islam. Extreme Islam is what took the World Trade Centers down. It's what crashed planes into the Pentagon. It's what killed thousands of people in our country. It was extreme Islam. Islam hates Christianity. Islam, if you and it's happening right now in Afghanistan, if you could see the pictures of people laying between pews dead that happened to be caught in a worship service by the Taliban in Afghanistan right now, it would disgust you to see the people laying in the floor between the pews dead because they were Christians. That's what we're dealing with in the world today. We've been dealing with it for a very long time. Now, there's, there's three events that happened in, in the past on, on the, on, in Islam. And I'm going to share you just a little bit of this because we're running out of time. I'm going to have to... Next week, we'll continue on with this, and I'll get into some other things that I wanted to get into today. And, all, and those notes that I found... That'll be next week, because we're running out of time. <clears throat> okay. In, uh, do, do you understand the Ottoman Empire? World War One. I? I mean, I'm a history geek. I love history. In World War One, the, the, the Muslims were the Ottoman Empire. The Turks. And they wanted to conquer everything. And their Quran gave them the right to do that, which is their holy book, gave them the right to do that. Now, in 1565, they were about ready to start taking over all of southern Europe. 
there was one thing that stood in their way. It was the island of Malta. You got the, the boot of Italy and the toe, and then Sicily's right there. Sicily's a really big island, and right below Sicily is Malta. And there were guys there. They were like the uh, Navy SEALs of today. They were the Knights of Malta. And the Queen of England was so scared because she saw that if the Ottoman Empire, those extreme Islamist people, were to take Malta, then that would open it up for them to go into Europe. And the people on Malta, the men who were going to fight against a... They they were so outnumbered. They kept calling for reinforcements. Come and help. Come and help. No one showed up. The chances of them beating the Islamists was next to nothing. And it was a miracle of God that they won the battle and sent the extremists away. The Ottoman Empire. I said it was in uh, 1565. You know what the date was? September 11th. Okay. In, uh, 18, uh, in 1682, there was the Battle of Vienna. Another battle where they pretty much didn't have a chance. I think that was the battle where uh, a guy organized troops from Austria and Germany and some other place, and they all got together and they did a surprise attack on the advancing Ottoman Empire and wiped them out. I mean, it was awesome. Okay? That was in uh, 1682. You want to guess what date? No. September 11th. Then, there was the Battle of Zenta. It was in 1697. In that battle, I'm running out of time, so I can't look up the details. I, I can't remember the details, but you want to guess what date that was, that the Muslims suffered a huge loss Yeah, September 11th. If somebody walks up to an American and says, December 7th, you probably start thinking of Pearl Harbor. The older people, definitely. Younger people, we need to remind them. When you say say September 11th to the Muslim world, it means something to them. It's not by accident that the World Trade Centers came down on September 11, 2001. I don't think it's by accident that Benghazi happened on September 11. What was that, 2012? <clears throat> Benghazi. Do you know what Benghazi was? You may not know. Extreme Muslim took over our embassy after months of our embassy asking for reinforcements and they were ignored. And Americans, many Americans died at Benghazi. Some of our special forces guys who went in on their own died trying to save them. Our government abandoned them. And there's no excuse for it. And think about who was in office in 2012. <clears throat> I got some very harsh words that I'm not going to say right now. <clears throat> but I have some very harsh words. And right now, 
the Taliban has taken over Afghanistan, and their words to our present president was, be out by September 11th. We have not learned. I can tell you stories. Oh, I don't have to tell you. I've got this book right here if you would like to, if anybody would like to take it. Y'all can fight over it amongst yourselves. It's not a pleasant read, but it's called What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran, which is Islam's holy book. And the subtitle, A History of Islam and the United States. Those three battles I, talk, I just mentioned, they're in detail in this book if, you, if you're interested. And, you, and if you want it, somebody wants to take it, you can read it. But again, <laughs> it's not a pleasant read. <clears throat> but we need to not forget these things. <clears throat> so here it is. I found it this morning as well, up in Joseph's room on the bookshelf. I was looking all around trying to find it. I just want to, I just want, if you have an interest in understanding why Islam hates Christianity. It's all in that book right there. All right, our time is up. Next week, we're going to talk about the, uh, the law that was passed in Texas and how it's been handled by certain people. People within churches, church organizations, and how, what, how, what their take is on it. And uh, it's been a little while since, but I have a list of verses, and I want to share them with you next week. So, um, you can look forward to that. All right, I knew I couldn't get it all in today. I didn't know how I was going to do it if, if it happened, but uh, Joy encouraged me last night. She said, don't overwhelm us. And you got next Sunday, you just, you know, gotta, we, we can only take so much in. So, I like that feedback. Talk to me. And remember, you can get the CD, and you can listen to it over again. You, you're going to pick up on so little. What's going to get into your brain today? Just by what I've talked about, you're only going to get a certain amount of it, a very small amount that's going to stick with you. So get the CD, listen to it again, and you'll get, you'll get more in into, your, into yourself. I mean, there's so many Adrian Rogers preachings that I've listened to multiple times. I mean, there's certain preachers that I absolutely love, and maybe I'm not one that you love, so you don't want to listen to me again. That's fine. But at least find Adrian Rogers on a podcast and listen to him. It's, it's soul-saving stuff that he preaches on. I mean, I, I, I love his preaching, and I would highly recommend it. I don't recommend many, but I highly recommend him. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, I thank you for your word and the gospel stories that we have in our Bibles that we all need to know. And I thank you that we can, we, we can open up our Bibles here in this church. We can come to church. Nobody, nobody is out there trying to keep us from being here. Father, we are so blessed in this country that we can come together and not fear being hurt by those who hate your good book. Father, I just pray that we would be a people that would understand that we are blessed. 
but that it all can be taken away from us if we don't stand on your word and be a people who are bold and stand up for what's right. Father, give us that ability. Give us that desire in our heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.